The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. It's good to see you here this morning. I love that video because today is week six, the final week of our series, Marked. And we've been talking about how we are marked so that we can leave our mark. There's something significant that God has been doing through this series in each of our lives. And I'm excited to be here this morning, bringing the very last point to you as we just remind ourselves what it means to be marked so that we can go out into our communities and leave our mark. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, Pastor Kerry wanted me to make sure and send his love to you. He has been fighting some kind of an infection and, and he is at home, tried to get up and come this morning and broke out in cold sweats. And I said, we'd probably all appreciate it if you stayed home and we just prayed for you. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to be sick. So um, if you guys could be praying for Pastor Kerry and just complete healing in his body, he would appreciate it. And um, I just want to jump right in this morning to this passage of scripture that we've been talking about from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 20. We've been talking about the markings of a Christian. And every single week we've explored a different thing that the scripture tells us about the marks of a Christian. And so I hope you've been able to be here for this whole series. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because there has been something amazing each and every week as we, as we have explored what our lives should look like. And we are gearing up and getting ready to really make a mark in our community because we are on a mission to invite people to attend church Easter Sunday with us next week, right? How many of you know we are having two services next week, 8.30 and 10 o'clock, and we are doing that with anticipation that we are going to go out into our community and we are going to invite in people who need to come and experience the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, and they're going to fill this room. So are you with me? Will you help me in that as we leave our mark in the community? Yeah? Okay, let's do this. Let's jump right in to Romans 12, verse 9 through 20. And before I do that, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, I just want to pray. Jesus, I come before you in this room this morning. God, we come to church, Lord, not to walk through the motions of a service, but God, to give glory to you. God, we come to church because we want to see you move in our lives in a real way. And God, today, as we explore this last passage of scripture, God, I pray that you challenge each of us to be everything you've created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen just means I agree. If you've never said it before, just try it. Everybody say amen. It just means I agree. It's good. Got it. You're with me this morning. Romans 12 verse 9 through 20 in the English standard version says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, 
So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, now pay attention here. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I love these scriptures. When you open your Bible, it actually says above that scripture, the markings of a Christian. And we've talked about how all of these things apply to our life. And today I want to talk to you about being overcomers, being overcomers. Can you guys say that with me? Say overcomer. Okay, good. I'm about to make you do it again. So get ready. Okay. Prepare yourself to overcome means to be victorious, to prevail over. So when I think of an overcomer, I get this picture in my head, kind of like you would respond if your football team won the the winning touchdown of the day, right? Does anybody know what motion you would throw up if your football team won the winning touchdown of the day? Thank you. Some people are with me. That's right. Hands would go up, right? Because we are winning. We're overcomers. So everybody in the room, I need you actually to participate with me for just a minute. This is kind of called a power stance. They talk about those on the TED Talks. So so bear with me. You ready? So you're going to throw up your arms and you're going to say out loud, I'm an overcomer, okay? So are you ready? You ready? Here we go. Ready? I'm an overcomer. Hey, you guys are good. One more time. And just even a little bit louder. Ready? Yes. We have a room full of winners in this room this morning. We are overcomers, right? We throw our hands up and it means to be victorious or to prevail over. I want to look in the scripture for just a minute about how it talks to us about being overcomers. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 5, it says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, right? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There's something about being an overcomer that has everything to do with our faith. The next scripture in Romans 8, verse 35 and 37 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? It says this. No, in all these things, in every one of those terrible situations, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. What does that mean? We are overcomers through him who loved us. So what does that mean? Through him who loved us. That means that to overcome is actually an act of surrender. And isn't it interesting that the the body language of overcoming is also the body language of I surrender. Isn't it interesting? If someone came and put a gun to your head, what would you do immediately? Your hands would go up. I surrender. And to be an overcomer is actually an act of surrender because it says we are more than conquerors through him. So the measure to which you overcome is fully dependent upon the measure of your surrender. 
To overcome is to fully surrender my life to Christ, to recognize I cannot do this on my own, right? I cannot do this on my own, but the scripture tells us through him, I can do all things. To be an overcomer is to fully surrender to Christ. So what I want to talk about this morning for just a few moments is what are some areas that God has equipped us to overcome? So the first area I was thinking about is that we in this room are overcomers over sin. We are overcomers over sin. You know, I have a six-year-old. Her name is Avery, and she is awesome. She's the coolest kid you'll ever meet. You will have so much fun with her. She has had an issue lately with lying, and, and I don't know why. Like, I cannot explain it to you. She has a very creative mind, and so she makes up stories all the time. But it's become a little bit of an issue, and we've been constantly having to correct it. And so the other day, this was actually just three days ago, we had uh, one of her little friends over to the house, and they were playing in their bedroom, and then we went to the pool, and we came home, and I had my kids getting ready for bed. And, And Brooklyn goes, Avery, who got up on my bed and messed with my pillows? And Avery goes, Lila and I most definitely didn't get up on your bed and touch your pillows. We wouldn't have gotten on your bed at all. Like we were just playing in the room. And I heard her and I thought, I walked by the bedroom and I saw you on the ladder. And so I said, Avery, come here. And I said, Avery, why was your first response to lie to Brooklyn? And she goes, and she starts sobbing. (laughs) I don't know. And I'm laughing. I'm trying not to laugh so I can correct her. But she saw me. I don't know. And I thought, isn't that just like us? Sometimes we sin and we just don't know why. We don't know why we can't overcome that bad habit, that area in our life that has just held on to us for so long. And, you know, Paul acknowledged this in Romans chapter 7, verse 19 through 20. And he said this, for I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I love that Paul acknowledged this for us in the scripture because he said, why? Like Avery, I don't know. Why do I do the thing I do not want to do? And then he acknowledged, well, that's because there's a sin nature that is innate in every single one of us. And it's normal that those things come up and we struggle with them. You see, sin begins with a thought. It turns into an action. And if we're not careful, it can lead to a habit. And maybe the area of sin, there, there's all different areas. You can run the, the gamut of them. There's all different areas of sin. Maybe you deal with jealousy, constantly looking at what somebody else has and wanting it for yourself. Maybe it's pride, thinking you deserve it or you're better than somebody else. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's the lust of the flesh that says, I want something that is not supposed to be mine. Maybe it's a sexual lust and an issue that you've been struggling with, getting on the computer, looking at things that you shouldn't look at, and just developing a desire and a want for something that was not created for you to have. Maybe it's an area of deceit. Maybe it's just a habit that's been formed of habitual lies that, just like Avery, are the quickest thing to come to your mouth in response to situations. Maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's just snaking the system just enough to get by. Maybe it's an area of of hurt and offense and bitterness that you've just held on to. Whatever it is, sin is sin. And we don't want to be encumbered by sin. And the good news is, Proverbs 29 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure and I am clean from sin? 
because none of us are, right? Every single person in this room, we are all, as Pastor Kerry says, just a little bit jacked up. But we are all in the process of becoming better, right? At the movement church, it's okay to not be okay. But we are going to work on getting better. Why? Because the scripture tells us in Romans 6, verse 17 through 18, But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all of your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, conforming to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. You see, the scripture tells us that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we don't have to be encumbered anymore by the yokes of slavery, which means the heavy burden of sin. When we surrender our life to Christ, we can be free from sin. Now, I think for everyone in this room, that confuses us just a little bit because even Paul said, why do I keep doing the things that I do not want to do? And maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you're sitting in the room and you hear that. I know that Christ has set me free, but I'm still struggling with the same areas of sin. And the good news for you is that there is an answer that for freedom, Christ has set us free, which means by the power of the Holy spirit at work in our lives, we can say no to sin and yes to God. You see, to be an overcomer is to surrender and to surrender is to submit to be an overcomer is to surrender and to surrender is to submit, to submit my will, my desires to the will of God. It's saying, I may feel this way. I may have had a thought that said, I want to tell a lie right here in this moment. I may have had a thought that I want to go and look at something I shouldn't look at. I may have had a thought to cheat the system, but even though that thought came in because I have been set free through Christ, I'm going to stop it at the thought and I'm going to say no to sin and make a change of direction, right? Because I'm going to submit my will what I desire, what my flesh wants to do, I'm going to submit it to God's will and say, God, you are in charge. And that is how I become an overcomer over sin. To overcome is to surrender and to surrender is to submit. You see, the scripture tells us if we confess our sins one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And at the movement church, because we're committed to being people who are okay to not be okay, but working towards getting better, we love to do this through connect groups. And in connect groups, you can find a place full of people who are committed to the same direction that you're heading. And within connect groups, there is accountability and there is protection and people who are going to say, come on, you can do better. Come on, get your act together. You can do this. And who are going to challenge us to be all we can be and to submit our will to the will of God. To overcome is to surrender and to surrender is to submit. You know, another area that God has given us the ability to overcome is offense and hurt. How many of you have ever had to deal with difficult people? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you are probably the difficult person. Newsflash. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not just difficult people. Anybody ever had to deal with someone that you swear is just pure evil? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? Maybe they're in your office. Maybe they're at your school. Maybe, maybe they are just another parent who is trying to show you up with their child and prove that their child is better than your child. Any moms in the room experience that? 
I think a few people maybe. Whatever it is, we all have to deal with difficult people sometimes. All of us have the choice to be offended or not to be offended. Every single one of us has to deal with people who treat us poorly. Brooklyn has this kid in her school. Brooklyn's 11, fifth grade. And she has this kid in her school who he's just constantly harping on her. And the other day, he, she came home and she was telling me that he was picking on her best friend. And he was calling her brace face. And I go, please tell me she was not offended by that. And Brooklyn's like, no, she thought it was stupid. And I'm like, thank God, because that's the dumb. I mean, can they not get better with their insults? Because he's like walking around calling her brace face. Like that's supposed to ruin her day. But he's just rude. He's just a difficult person to deal with. And I don't know about you, but I've had difficult people in my life that I've had to deal with. And in the scripture that we read in Romans 12, verse 20, it tells us a different approach to handling difficult people than most of us would tend to use as a response. And it says this, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the kind of response that is difficult to make, right? Anybody else with me? To actually do something kind for someone who has been treating us poorly. My mom is the queen of having the best advice in dealing with difficult people. And when I first graduated college, I took a job teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th grade drama at a middle school in Coppell, Texas. And I was so excited to begin my first full-time job. And I was committed to just, you know, doing it well and doing it to the best of my ability. And so I went in with the best attitude and the biggest smile because I like people and I feel like people should like me, right? I really do. So I like most people. It takes a lot for me not to like you. And so I was excited to go in and meet all these new people. And the vice principal of this school decided that she did not like me. No lie. And I could not figure out why. I didn't know if it was the way I dressed or the way I talked to people. I didn't know what it was, but she did not like me. And she made it very clear. And every time she came into my room, she would bring some kind of harsh critique and this scowl on her face. And she was never happy. And I would try to smile and talk to her. And she was awful and rude. And she scheduled me for more after-school duties than any other teacher at that school. And then sometimes I would be going over to the office to make copies, and I would watch her and hear her talk about me to the other teachers. And they'd all be staring at me, and I'd be like (sighs) making copies. And one day I just had it, and I called my mom, and I'm crying. I'm like, Mom, I can't do this anymore. And she goes, Megan, I really think you need to pray for her. And I said, pray for her? I don't even want to talk to her. I'm not going to pray for her. Like if God struck her with lightning right now, I would be okay with, I'll pray that God will strike her with lightning. And my mom's like, no, Megan, I think you should pray for her. And I said, mom, I can't. And she goes, okay, then I will. And my mom started praying for that vice principal and no lie within three months, the entire situation turned around. I did not do a thing, but this lady started coming into my room with a smile on her face. She started covering my after-school duties. She started talking to me when I was making copies at the copier and smiling and finding out about my life. I have no idea what happened except for the power of prayer. So sometimes we have got to pray for the people who persecute us, who despitefully use us, who talk badly about us. Sometimes all we can do for difficult people is to pray for them. Or like this scripture just told us, 
Kill them with kindness, right? Kill them with kindness. Because it says, if he's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. So kill them with kindness. A smile. Do something nice to people who are difficult, right? Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So use a soft answer. When someone speaks to you in the wrong way, maybe it's a spouse. They speak to you in a wrong way and are harsh and cruel. Maybe a soft answer will turn away wrath. You see, when we, when we allow people to hurt us and offend us and we hold on to that hurt or offense, the only person who is truly damaged is ourselves. It's like eating rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. The only person who is truly damaged is ourselves. Bitterness and offense, they rob us of joy. It robs us of joy. And it, listen, it clouds our perception of other relationships. Bitterness and offense, when we've held on to it, when we've held on to hurt and things that people have said or things that they've done, it clouds our perception of other relationships. And we can never fully experience what God created us to experience in the context of relationships. So how do we overcome hurt and offense in dealing with difficult people? In the words of Elsa, we let it go, let it go, right? Don't, y'all not with me? Do you know Frozen? Let it go, let it go. Don't hold it back anymore, right? Let it go. We're going to let it go. Thank you. Now you appreciate that rendition of Frozen right there. Let it go. To overcome is to let go. Listen, the scripture says in verse 19, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Listen, God is your defender. God is your defender. So to overcome is to surrender. And to surrender is to let go. To overcome is to surrender. And to surrender is to let go. Another area that we all have to overcome. I think everyone in this room can relate in some way, shape, or form. We have to overcome fear. Fear is one of the greatest paralyzers of our life. It will hurt us into a prison and slam the door. Fear gets us, whether it's the fear of failure or maybe the fear of success or the fear of rejection. Maybe for some of you, it's the fear of sacrifice. What are you going to lose? Maybe it's just the fear of the what ifs, always overanalyzing every situation. We all have to learn to overcome fear in some shape or form. And you know, I think God knew that we were going to face fear because in the scripture, 365 times, it tells us, do not be afraid. Don't you think that that's just like a heavenly father, God in heaven, who said, I know that every day of their life, they're going to face some kind of fear. So for every day of every year, I'm going to give them a scripture that says, do not be afraid, right? Because he created us to overcome fear. Isaiah 41 10 says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And my favorite verse of all time, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Listen, when we trust in God, we're acknowledging that he's in control. So we don't have to be afraid. He's in control. So we do not have to be afraid because the antidote to fear is faith. 
The antidote to fear is faith. It is trusting that God's got this, that if he's asked us to do something, he's going to go with us on the journey. The antidote to fear is faith. It's believing that God's got our back. He's got this covered. So to overcome fear is to surrender and to surrender is to trust. To overcome fear is to surrender. And to surrender is to trust. It's to believe that God is in control, that he's got this covered, that if he's asked you to do something, that he will go with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. He is on your side. We can overcome fear. To overcome is to surrender, and to surrender is to trust. You know, another area that we can overcome is the area of our past. Has anybody in this room got a past? Okay, listen, if you were alive yesterday, you have a past. So raise your hand, everybody. Yeah, you have a past, okay? Every one of us has a story. And all of our stories are different. And some of our pasts are messy. And some of them are just perfect, maybe. I don't know if that exists. But, but every one of us has a past, right? Every one of us has a story. And we have been given the ability to overcome our past. I heard a preacher recently say this. We must deal with our past in the present so that we can move forward to the future. I love that. We must deal with our past in the present so that we can move forward into the future. You know, when we go on trips, um, I pack a lot. And I've gotten better over the years, but I still pack a lot because you've got to have extra outfits in case you change your mind, right? And so, and lots of shoes. And, um... You know, makeup boxes, they, I, I know, guys, you don't know what I'm talking about, but girls, they pack a lot. And, and so Pastor Carrie and I together, we pack a lot. And so when we, when we go on trips, Pastor Carrie is an incredible husband. And the thing I love about him is that he takes the role of being my husband very seriously. And he was raised in the South. So he is a gentleman. Let me tell you, the South knows how to raise some gentlemen, okay? So he's a gentleman. So when we go to unload the car to walk into a hotel, Pastor Kerry gets every piece of luggage out of the car. And I go to pick up some of that luggage and be, play my part, help carry it in. And he says, drop it, which really ticks me off because I'm care- capable of carrying luggage, right? And, and I'm like, I've got it, babe. I can help you. And that makes him even more mad. And he's like, drop it. <laughs> And so then he proceeds to pick up suitcases and pile them high with carry-on bags and grab all of the hang-up clothes. And he's got bags under his arms. He's dragging in suitcases, carrying the hang-up clothes in his teeth. And we are walking into like a hotel and I'm free. My hands are free. I'm waving at people because at this point I feel like a celebrity, right? At this point, I am unencumbered by any baggage that I might have tried to carry in because he's got it all. He's got it all. So I'm just waving and smiling, unencumbered, unheld back by the weight. I can do whatever I want to do at this moment because he likes to carry in the luggage. See, every one of us has a story in the past. And the power of Christ at work in our lives redeems those stories. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. You see, God wants to take the burden and the baggage of your past and remove it from your hands and carry the weight to leave you free and unencumbered by anything you've experienced or anything that's held you back before so that you can go free into your future and experience all that God has for you to experience. And it would be awfully foolish 
for us to say, no, God, I'd rather hold on to all that weight. I'd rather hold on to all that baggage because you know, it's mine. It's mine. So I'm going to hold on to it all and I'll carry it all because it's mine. But the scripture says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it would be awfully foolish of us to say, no, God, I'll hold on to all that baggage of my past when he's standing there ready and willing and capable to carry it all. That would be foolish. So for every one of us in this room, when we look back at our stories and we look back at the past and the hurt and the pain that maybe you walked through and experienced, we have a choice to overcome our past and to overcome is to surrender and surrender is to release to overcome is to surrender and surrender is to release. It's time to release the pain of your past and to stop rehearsing it anymore. Because it is not a lie that you may have walked through hell on earth. You may have walked through situations that you feel like defined you. You may have been hurt and abused. People may have treated you poorly in the past, but that does not define your future. That is not where God is taking you anymore. And so for us to walk in freedom into our future, we have got to allow God to take the pain of our past. Maybe you grew up and you grew up without a father and you've held on to this mentality that I am fatherless. But listen, his word says that he is your father. He has adopted you into his family. You are his son and his daughter. So wherever you're at today, you have a promise that says you are not your past, but you have a promise for the future. Maybe you walked through life and you were abused and you were treated poorly. Maybe you walked through forms of sexual abuse and you have held on to hurt and pain all these years and it has defined you and you have felt like a victim and felt like you will always be used and you will never be valued or never be appreciated. But you have a heavenly father in heaven who loves you. It says he gave his life for you because he values you. You are important. You are not the summation of your past. And in order to move from the past into the future, we've got to deal with the past in our present. And to do that, to overcome is to surrender and to surrender is to release. And I believe there's some people in the room this morning who today are going to experience freedom from the past today. The band, if you'll go ahead and make your way to the front as I talk about the last point, you know, one of the last things that God tells us that we are overcomers over is we are, we are overcomers over trials and tribulations. Has anybody ever walked through a difficult situation? Raise your hand. Is anybody walking through a difficult situation right now? We are overcomers over trials and tribulation. We are overcomers. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness must have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, that scripture, I hate that scripture sometimes. Consider it pure joy when you walk through trials of many kinds. Because we know that the testing of our faith develops this steadfastness. Or I've heard it in other versions, it says perseverance. 
develops perseverance. Gosh, to consider it pure joy when I'm walking through trials because it's going to develop perseverance. Well, that's not fun. But he says, I'm doing a work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hey, listen, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. He is more concerned about our character than our comfort. And when we will consider it pure joy, when we face trials of many kinds and realize that he is working something out inside of us, we can be overcomers of our situation. You know, I love Psalm 18, 28 through 30. And it says this, for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God lightens my darkness in the middle of darkness in the middle of where you can't figure it out, where the future is uncertain and you don't know what the next day holds for the Lord, my God lightens my darkness for by you, I can run against a troop and by my God, I can leap over a wall. It does not matter what obstacles are in front of you. It does not matter what you might be facing. It does not matter whether it's a financial burden or a relationship burden Whatever is in front of you, it says, for by you, I can run against a troop. For by you, I can leap over a wall. What seems impossible, God is in control. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. I love the next part of the verse that says, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. Listen, you are equipped with strength for the battle. Whatever it is that you might face, you are equipped with strength for the battle. What does that mean? It means fight on. Don't give up. Whatever is in front of you, by your God, you can run against the troops. By your God, you can leap over the walls. You are equipped with strength for this battle, for this season. Whatever it is that's staring you in the face, that seems insurmountable, that seems impossible, you are equipped with strength for the battle. You know, I love the story that I've heard about a mama eagle. Mama eagles are, are loving and caring creatures. They love their babies. And when it comes time for their babies to learn how to fly, they take the fledgling out of the nest and they fly as high as they can up into the sky and they drop the fledgling in the air. And the fledgling goes, fledgling goes plummeting to certain death, right? Heart beating, life is over. It is falling to certain death. And right before the fledgling, the little baby eagle hits the ground. The mother eagle swoops in and she catches the baby eagle and she flies back up into the air as high as she can go to do it again. Some of you are facing battles that you feel like you've been fighting for, this, for a long time. Maybe you found yourself coming up against the same issues over and over and over again. Maybe there are issues in relationships or issues with your finances. Maybe they are just pure struggles to survive. Maybe it's issues with your past. I don't know what you're facing in this room today, but maybe some of you in this room found yourself facing the same thing over and over and over again. And you have gotten tired in the battle. But I want to remind you of that mama eagle who took the baby up, dropped it, 
But right before it hit the ground, swooped in and caught it and took it up again. And it's repeated over and over and over again until that little baby eagle realizes it has wings. And it was created to fly. Listen, the Israelites spent 40 extra years in the wilderness because they grumbled and complained. Grumbled and complained about all the problems they continued to face. Grumbling and complaining. Woe is me. And they spent 40 extra years in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep coming up against the same problems over and over and over again for 40 years, right? God has equipped you with strength for this battle. He's equipped you with wings to fly. And when you feel like you're plummeting to certain death, and when you feel like things are just about over, like you don't think you can keep fighting anymore, let me just make you a little bit offended for a minute. Put on your big girl panties or your big boy panties and fight on. Fight on. Listen to me. You you should be responding a little bit more in this place because listen, you have a God in heaven who is with you. He is for you. He fights on your behalf. And that may frustrate you to hear somebody on the stage that says, come on, grow up and fight on. But listen, sometimes we need someone to remind us. Sometimes we need someone to remind us, you can do this. You have wings and you can fly. You can be an overcomer. You were created to. And you have a God in heaven who fights with you and for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is on your side. Listen, I love the thing about God. He showed us over and over and over again in scripture that he bore the Israelites on eagle's wings. When they had no food and no water, he swooped down and he provided it for them. When Moses faced the Red Sea, he swooped down and he parted it. When the walls of Jericho were falling down, he swooped down and he saved Rahab and her family. When David was facing a giant, he swooped down and he took that giant out with one stone. And listen, when you were wandering lost in life, he swooped down to save you. There's a scripture in Isaiah that I love and it says, have you not known? Have you not heard that the Lord is an everlasting God? The creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. For youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But listen, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up. On wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't it interesting that the author of this piece of scripture likened our lives to when we wait upon the Lord, that we will rise up on wings like eagles? That mama eagle would take her baby up to the very highest point and drop it, plummeting to the earth. And then swoop in and save it before it could hit the ground over and over and over again until that baby eagle realized it had wings and it could fly. Not could it fly, it could soar. And you have a God in heaven who wants you to know that you were created to soar. You were created to fly. That the obstacles that you're facing are not too big for you. God has equipped you with strength for this battle. And that's why the scripture says, when we wait upon the Lord, because waiting is hard work, 
Waiting takes a lot on our part. But when we wait upon the Lord and we recognize that he's in control, when we overcome fear and we submit to trust God, when we wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength and we'll rise up on wings like eagles. That means in a moment, recognize that we can fly. That we were created to be overcomers over the situation that you're facing. We were created to overcome. You know, there was a man in the Bible who wrote a great deal of the New Testament. That man, he was blinded, beaten, jailed, mocked, shipwrecked, bitten by a poisonous snake, and he faced death repetitively. And in one of the later stories of his life, he found himself imprisoned and facing certain death. And in that prison, with one of his dear friends, in the very bottom of the prison, they sat in shackles, knowing that death was certain. It was knocking on their door. And it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. To overcome is to surrender and to surrender is to praise. Listen, praise works best at the start before the miracle, before the breakthrough, before the restoration. It sets the stage for our almighty God to move on our behalf because praise works best at the start. So to overcome is to surrender and to surrender is to praise. And you know what I love about this? I love that Paul and Silas sat in a jail cell in shackles facing certain death. And it says that they began to sing praise to God. How many of us like to praise God in our most frustrating situations? Nobody. But they began to sing praise to God. And it says that everyone was listening because your life is not just about what God is doing in you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And it is time for this church to rise up and to become an army of men and women and teenagers and children who say, I will be an overcomer, not just because of what God's going to do in me, but because of what God's going to do through me. We are approaching the biggest Sunday of the year. We are approaching Easter and we are asking everyone to send an invite to ask somebody to come and join you here for church on Easter Sunday. Our lives, our lives affect the people around us. The decisions we make, the choices we make, they affect the people around us. People are watching just like they were watching Paul and Silas. And do you know what happened when Paul and Silas began to praise in the midst of their trial, in the midst of what was overwhelming, when they began to praise, it says, and suddenly, and suddenly an earthquake shook and all of the chains fell off of everyone, of everyone. You see, your breakthrough is not just about you. It's about what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you. It's for the people in your neighborhood. It's for the people in your schools. It's for the people in this region who need to see a God who answers prayers. Your breakthrough is not just about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And to overcome is to surrender. And to surrender is to praise. I don't know what you walked in this room carrying today. I don't know what you're facing. 
Maybe when you hear this message and you, you hear about overcoming sin, you say, that's me. I've been struggling with a habitual area of sin and I've had the hardest time dealing with it. Listen, today's your day to surrender. Today's your day to submit. Maybe you've been carrying hurt and offense and you've just been angry and bitter. Today's your day to surrender, to let it go. Maybe you've been paralyzed by fear. Today's your day to surrender, to trust. Maybe you've been holding on to the baggage and the pain of your past. And today is your day to surrender, to release it. And maybe you walked in this room facing certain uncertainty. And today's your day to overcome, to surrender. And surrender is to praise. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask everyone right now just to look inside your own heart where you are at. And I'm going to ask you to be honest for just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this room and you can identify with any of those things, I'm going to ask you in just a minute, just to raise your hand. I'm the only one looking. And I just want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I surrender. So if you're in this room and you can identify and say, I've been struggling with an area of sin and I need to give it up today. I need to surrender. I want to ask you just lightly in your seat, just raise your hand. Thank you. I see those hands and I know God sees them too. If you've been struggling with offense or hurt and you're sitting in this room and you say, God, I've got to surrender that to you today. Would you raise your hand? And if you're in this room and you've been struggling with fear and it's been holding you back, would you raise your hand and say, God, I surrender. And if you're in this room and you've been holding on to the pain of your past, would you raise your hand and say, God, I surrender. And if you're in this room and you're facing something today that seems impossible, that seems too hard to overcome and you need to say, God, I surrender to you and I trust you and I praise you. Would you raise your hand? Amen. I see those hands. And maybe you're in this room and you've heard this message and you heard us sing songs and fix our attention on who God is. And you say, but I don't know if I have a real relationship with God. To overcome is to surrender. And maybe for you, your choice of surrender today is just to make a decision to surrender your life to him, to stop trying to do it on your own and just allow him to be God. And if you're in the room this morning and you've never made that decision before, and today you want to make a decision to surrender, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. I see that. I see that hand. And I'd ask everyone in the room right now to repeat these words after me. Jesus, I surrender my whole life, every area, completely to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time.